Hey, business building warrior, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. This is your host, Jim. And today's question is, are you confident enough to have your own business? It's a strange question, perhaps, but I've found in a lot of our students, our coaching students, our proven Amazon course students, one of the battles they run into is confidence. And I think this stems, my theory is, and there's probably many places it can come from, and a lot of things can negatively impact our mindset. And I'll talk about a few of them, but I want to help answer the question with a business model that actually really boosts your confidence. And it's the model we talk about a lot around here, actually, the model we talk about almost all the time around here. It's the Amazon replans model that we teach in the Proven Amazon course. But what are some of those things that rob our confidence from us? Well, there's a couple biggies. One of them is reality, right? Because we've all heard the statistics. Most businesses fail and, you know, your odds of success over five years is very, very slim in any business. And we hear all these dramatic, awful, terrible statistics. You don't have to look far to find them. And the reality is it's hard. It's not easy taking something of low value and turning it into something of higher value that people are willing to pay you for, gratefully so, at a profitable number that you like and they like. It's not an easy prospect. Building a business is difficult. So that lack of confidence can stem from the fact that we've just observed the way the world works and we see a lot of people struggling to build businesses. Okay, we've got that. There's, let's check that box. A lot of things can go wrong. Another thing that can go wrong, we spend a significant amount of time on this one as well, is you just don't see the virtue in what you're doing. That leads to self-sabotaging. Let me give you an example of what I mean. I'm not going to dive into modern psychology here. You can go certainly read up on it yourself. But one of the reasons that I love diving into books such as my good friend Rabbi Daniel Lappin's book titled business secrets from the Bible. One of the things he emphasizes over and over and over again is the virtue of running a profitable business. To borrow and somewhat butcher a quote from Samuel Johnson, I believe the gentleman's name is, I'm going off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure he's the one who said something along the lines of, seldom is a man so innocently engaged as when he's in pursuit of profit in his own business. There's few things you can do that are more virtuous than running a profitable business. That's one of the other sayings that I have when we have topics like this, discussions like this, is it's impossible to run a profitable business without dramatically improving the lives of countless other people. That's something you have to keep in mind because the world is very busy and very actively trying to convince us otherwise that profitable businesses are the greatest evil on the planet couldn't be further from the truth. Anyone who's donating money or spending time on a worthy cause or being kind or being generous, they're only able to do that as long as there's a profitable business somewhere supporting that activity. Otherwise, it's a very temporary effort. Business is needed. Not only is it needed, it's vital. Why am I saying all this? Let me remind you. What robs our confidence? Two things. I've mentioned one so far. 
thinking it's complicated. A lot of things can go wrong. It could be a big disaster. That's one. The other one is we don't see the virtue in it. We have our culture attacking us many times saying, running a business isn't virtuous. When are you going to give back, implying that something was stolen at some point? When you see money properly, though, in a free market, nobody gives anybody money unless there's something in it for them. They've benefited. We call money certificates of gratitude. It's proof that you served another of God's children well. That's all money is. It's proof. Assuming they're happy with the transaction and you didn't lie to them or rip them off in some way, transaction is a beautiful thing. Everybody wins in a free market when there's a transaction. Nobody was forced to buy anything. Everybody's happier than they were before the transaction happened. That's the beauty of a transaction. So yes, it is virtuous selling products at a profit, even if you're just taking them from point A to point B. Some of my earliest podcast episodes from this very program, I talk about these types of things. There's one titled, it's within the first 25, 30 episodes, Is It Virtuous to Buy Low and Sell High? I really dive into that. So if you're struggling with those topics, if you feel like profit is even has a slight tinge of a negative connotation to the word, P-R-O-F-I-T, any negativity there, you need to address that because you're going to undermine, self-sabotage. It's going to rob your confidence in this business. But what if we could adequately address both of those most common mindset issues that people have. One, it's complex. It's going to eventually fail. My odds are stacked against me. I'm going to address that one in a moment. The other one, I've just spent a couple minutes addressing, but I've given you some resources to go back and do some homework. If you find a lack of virtue in profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, again, you're not fooling anyone. You're not selling anyone garbage when they think it's gold. You're giving people exactly what they thought they were wanting, what they were going to get, and you have a happy customer who gives you a good report a day later, a week later, six months later, and says, yes, that was a great transaction. You're serving well. And to repeat, one of my favorite phrases about business profit, see if you can get your mind to go here. My mind goes here instantly. It is impossible to build a profitable business, impossible to build a profitable business business without dramatically improving the lives of countless other individuals. It's not possible. You can't do it. You could try. You could be grumpy and mean, ornery, but if you're building a profitable business with happy customers, you are dramatically improving the world. Okay, so let's set that topic aside. Let's go back to our first topic. This whole thing of what if it fails? So many things could go wrong. That can rob a lot of the confidence. That's why I love the Amazon replens model. And let me tell you a story that I think illustrates this. It's a story I read recently. I'm, I'm rereading a book called Atomic Habits. That's it, Atomic Habits. I don't have the author offhand. I should have prepared a little better. You can look it up. It's a bestseller. Atomic Habits. The smallest little changes needed to make necessary positive habits materialize in your life and to get rid of the bad ones. It really breaks it down. It's a good book. I can't recommend it strongly enough. Go check it out. But one of the stories you'll hear in that book is what I'm going to tell next. True story, college professor who has a class. This is a uh, photography class. And on the first day of this photography class, the professor divided his students into two groups, group one, group two. Group one, he tells them that their grade will be based on one photo. They've got the entire semester. They can take as many photos as they want, but they submit one photo for his analysis. And he'll look at it and determine what their grade is based on the quality of the composition and, and the, their skill 
of that one photo, right? So you've got group one, one photo. Group two, the other half of the class, he told them, your assignment is to take as many photos as you can. You will be graded based on the volume, the quantity of pictures that you take. I'm not going to be looking so much at the composition and the quality and the details. I just want you to take a bunch of pictures and submit them. Now, you know, put some effort into it, obviously, but I just want volume. So one group takes one picture. The other group takes a bunch of pictures. You with me? Now, in the age we live in with digital photography, what was the added cost and the added risk and the added... Uh, let's say, pain, effort, and energy required to be in group one versus group two. Now, I can tell you this, if we were in the 70s, as you're thinking about that, and I'll get back to our story in a moment, my dad was actually a little a little Cockrum trivia, if you will. My dad was a professional photographer in the state of Indiana, a little town of Bloomington, Indiana. During the peak of, if you've ever heard of a guy named Bobby Knight, 1970s, he was one of the premier names in college basketball. Indiana is known for basketball. I play basketball, love basketball played it most of my life. Well, my dad was one of two sports photographers during the peak of Bobby Knight's career, who was at the time the premier coach in college basketball, winning a championship. It was 1976 or so. If you ever look up any of those old pictures from the newspapers, you're gonna, you might see Russ Cockrum, photography by Russ Cockrum. Miss you, dad. We lost him in December of 2020. But The story, the reason I'm telling you that is I remember going with dad after games and he would have taken maybe five or six rolls of film. This is pre-digital cameras, right? So he's got these rolls of film that he's protected in these little, I still remember what they look like. You know, they're about about as round as a quarter and about maybe two and a half inches, three inches tall. Just, you know, the right size for a roll of film to fit into. And he had all his rolls of film in there. And we would go develop those rolls of film back at... Uh, his studio. where in, And I remember the smell, the chemicals, and he had to dip it in one tray, then dip it in another. You may have seen like crime shows where they're developing the photos, right? And they're hanging them up on the wall and you got to let them develop slowly in a, in a dark room with a red light glowing somewhere, right? So he did that. Why am I telling you all this? Taking a bunch of pictures used to be a very pricey thing. He would talk, I remember him saying very clearly, he said, I got to take five, six, seven rolls of film just to get one usable photo for the newspaper. It's, it's expensive. Film's not cheap. The equipment wasn't cheap. He had to spend a lot of time, effort, money, and energy to get those developed and maybe throw out all but one or two that would appear in the newspaper the next day. Wish I had some of those old great photos. I'm sure there's some truly classic treasures that got tossed in the trash bin at the uh, the Bloomington Herald was the name. It's I think it's the Bloomington Times or something like that now, but... Uh, so I'm sure there's some classics that just got tossed because they just needed one or two good pictures. They didn't know that they were sitting on, you know, history at the time. But what's my point? If you jump forward now, I'm sure, and I haven't talked to anyone who does sports photography now, but you ask them what kind of expense is involved in getting a good picture. Yeah, they've got to be there. They got to put in the time. But a digital camera? Are you kidding me? I mean, you practically take video of the game and just pull out a few still shots at this point with the technology. I mean, there's still an art to photography, but it doesn't cost anywhere near as much time, effort, and energy. Business has made the same shift. That's the point I'm making. We are unnecessarily nervous at times, unnecessarily apprehensive, unnecessarily cautious at times about the way we approach business. So let's go back to our two groups. Remember group one, 
take one picture. It better be excellent. You can take as many as you want, but with your digital camera, you, you're going to submit one picture to the professor and he's going to judge that picture. The other group, take as many pictures as you want. I'm going to judge you based on volume. Here's my question for you. I want you to think about it. You may get ready to pause the episode here in just a moment as you think about it. Which of those two groups produced virtually all of the quality images for that semester? Again, the question, you've got a group that took one picture and submitted it, took a lot of time, effort, energy, and care into making sure that one image was perfect, or the group that just took a bunch of random pictures of everything and submitted all of them. I gotta imagine some people submitted hundreds and hundreds of pictures, if not a thousand or more pictures. Out of which group emerged virtually all of the high quality images for that semester? That's the question. Take a moment, pause, maybe think about it. When you've got your guess ready, we'll proceed and I'll give you the answer. Again, this is a story from the book Atomic Habits. The book about my dad is just a story I'm telling you. I don't know that I've ever shared that. Not in the last 30 years anyway. But the book Atomic Habits is where this photography class happened. Okay, so the two groups. Group one produced almost none of the quality images for the semester. The second group where people just kind of turned loose, had fun, and took a bunch of pictures and submitted all of them as the professor went through. He found virtually all of the award-winning, beautiful works in that group. Now, why is that? There's a business lesson here. I'm going to connect the dots. I'm going to land the plane. The Amazon replens model is best suited for people who realize the risks are so small. The mountains you have to climb are so tiny. The system has been so tested and, and step by step. Just jump in. The worst case scenarios are, have all been eliminated. If you're cautious and slow the way we teach, you buy a few things, you sell a few things, the worst case scenarios, you lose a little money. Oh, well, hey, I just learned something. Just like that class of students with the cameras. The students who just walked out of class in group two and just started taking pictures of anything and everything and changing different settings and kind of having fun and goofing off and just taking a whole bunch of photos of anything and everything, they honed their skills really fast. They became really good photographers. Their 3,000th photo <laughs> probably looked amazing. They knew all the settings. They'd played with all of them. They'd made all the mistakes. They'd taken all the garbage photos already and they knew how to avoid those things. That's the Amazon replens model in a nutshell, is just get in and have some fun, buy a few things, sell a few things. The worst case scenario is not scary. You're not talking about throwing out a whole bunch of useless effort the way business used to work. You're not talking about a huge risk of, oh no, it all crashed and burned, we lost everything, because there's just simply not a big investment at any point. As Robin Olson, one of the coaches on our team says, I credit her every time I share this, she says, the Amazon replens model is the first low, low, high business model that she's ever seen. All the other business models are high, high, low. What does she mean by that? Well, with Amazon replens, the risks are low, the investment required is low, the learning curve is low, the odds of success, if you follow the system, is very, very high. All the other business models out there, and I tend to agree with her, everything else I've seen in e-commerce it's high, high, low, high risk required, high learning curve, high odds of failure, 
or I should say high learning curve, high education required, low odds of success. High, high, low is the, that's pretty much every business model out there. And that's what's made us so apprehensive is the world is full of high, high lows. Business opportunities, high investment required, high educational learning curve, low odds of success. We face that, we tremble, our confidence level drops. And remember, that was the opening question today. Confidence level. Are you confident enough to build a business? I would say if you're lacking in confidence, it's probably one of these two things. Either you're not seeing the opportunity that we're presenting properly, and you're thinking there's more risk there than it's really there, there's no risk. It's kind of like wearing a blindfold in a well-lit room and being nervous you're going to trip over something. Well, take the blindfold off, look around, like, okay, now I can see where everything is. There's nothing scary here, right? You're unnecessarily blindfolding yourself. That Maybe that's one reason why you lack the confidence, right? The other reason is you don't see business, and that's actually a good blindfold illustration for this one as well, like I talked about. Remember, building a profitable business means you're going to be helping an incalculable number of other people. Maybe you don't see it that way. Take the blindfold off because that's the reality. Next time you're sitting down to a meal, maybe it's a nice meal with your family, start to, and I've done this with our kids before, start imagining all the businesses and all the people and maybe even make up some character names for them that went into making that meal possible. So as you're sitting in the restaurant and paying the bill, how many people are benefiting from that profitable restaurant serving you that meal that evening. You got the people that made the table, the people that made the carpet, the chairs that you're sitting on, the leather surface on the chair that you're sitting on that was crafted by somebody that started a business with their dad when you know he was young and he learned leather crafting, right? I mean, you start going through the just the endless number of names and families and people individuals that are benefiting from this profitable business operating. You're benefiting. Why would you pay the bill otherwise? The food was terrible. They never brought you your food. You wouldn't pay the bill. You pay the bill because the food was worth the money you paid. You're benefiting on down to all the other people that went to. So just spend time thinking that way. That's what a profitable business is. So your challenge is probably one or two areas. You don't see business as virtuous, profitable business as virtuous. You need to fix that. Or you see the risks as too high. If your confidence level is low, my guess is it's one of those two areas that need addressed. And once you do so, you're ready to go full speed and do it with full motivation, intent, taking the step. You're not going to be self-sabotaging yourself. You're going to be taking the steps, going through the steps to build that business of your dreams, knowing you're serving others well and that your risks are so minimized by the process. And maybe I need to clarify a little bit more about what I mean by that. A lot of times starting a business, let's go back to, again, the 70s. I talked about the 1970s. That's a long time ago, right? I get it. But the way business worked up until about the 1990s, mid-1990s was, it was the same for everybody as it required a whole bunch of time, effort, and energy to build a business plan. And then you had to collect a whole bunch of money from a bunch of people who wanted to invest in your business. And you started burning through that money. And eventually, hopefully towards before you ran out of money, you actually had a building and a product and a process and you had something worth testing. The risks were massive. And that's why so many businesses failed. There wasn't the internet. There wasn't this test small, win small, learn a few small hard lessons, test a few more small things, see what works. You're not digging yourself into a huge hole. You're testing as you go. You're selling the inventory you get your hands on as you get your hands on it. If it works, you do more. If it doesn't work, you learn your lesson and you move forward. Our course, the training costs $29 a month. 
How long does it take to go thousands of dollars into debt with a $29 a month course? It's just not going to happen. It costs a few dollars to get onto Amazon, a few dollars for a tool that we recommend. It's just not a pricey adventure that you're getting ready to set out on. And as long as you don't, the big, the only way you can make a mistake is to write really big checks and hope it works out later. That's just not necessary anymore. To write a really big check and hopes it works out later, that's a risk that you just don't have to take with this business model. So we can eliminate those two confidence killers, the mindset and the risk element. We can eliminate those. If you're not convinced yet, listen to more episodes of this podcast. I think the more episodes you listen to, you're going to see over and over and over again where we destroy both of those arguments, those confidence-killing arguments. We destroy them. You can do this. The risks are low. If you do it the way we teach, you're not going to dig yourself into a big hole. You're going to learn a set of valuable skills, taking tiny risks and slowly building momentum into what could very well become, as you've heard on many, many dozens and dozens of other recent episodes of this podcast, could become a beautiful business. That's what we want to help you build. Hopefully this episode has made sense to you. I appreciate you hanging out and listening to just little old me. Sometimes that's all you get. We have a lot of great interviews coming up as well. So many good success stories and students joining our coaching program. We're up over 60 coaches at this point. I think we're actually up over 70 actually. So our coaching team is growing. The number of students we're helping continues to increase If you want to check out our coaching program, check out the Proven Amazon course, or just get more information about our community, you can go to the one link that you need as a fan of this show. It's silentgym.com. That's me, silentjim.com. And you'll see links to everything we talked about today. Or just keep enjoying this free podcast. We are honored. The entire team and I are honored that you spend some time from time to time integrating us into your day. Thank you for that. It is a tremendous gift that you give me, your time and attention. I'm so grateful for that. And I hope in return, you receive tremendous benefit for that. And if you do, we'd love for you to spread the word or maybe one of the biggest favors you can do for us, get over to iTunes and become a subscriber on iTunes. It's free, of course, but that's kind of the metric we track to see how we're doing as a podcast. And we're doing really well, by the way. We're consistently ranked one of the top e-commerce and towards the top of the list of all the Amazon-related podcasts as well, because you subscribe and you tell your friends, and we certainly appreciate that. So God bless you, Business Building Warrior. I'm going to wrap it up here, and we're going to have another fantastic episode for you very, very soon. I'll talk to you then. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me on today's episode. Before I let you go, I've got a treat. We've done a few of these now. You guys are telling us you love these. You love hearing from Jeff Schick. He's my lawyer buddy who knows Amazon legal better than anyone in my circle. JeffShick.com is where you can go to learn more about him. But we're going to tackle another subject today that will help put you at ease and keep you well informed on the landscape of Amazon legal issues. So what do you got for us today, Jeff? So common question that people ask, and it's new sellers, old sellers, you name it, you know, they can be, you know, 10-year veterans, and I still get the same question. It's what gets people suspended? <laughs> and yep. the answer to that is there's a, you know, obviously uh, you have to preface it. You know, people can be suspended for a variety of reasons. Most of them are preventable. And I'd say the number one preventable suspension that we deal with is people listing on the wrong brand. And it sounds so simple, but if you look at a product detail page, the title may not match the letters that are usually in blue on desktop versions. And that, you know, so where it says, you know, brand colon 
you know, insert brand here. And people a lot of times don't follow that. And that's the number one thing people get suspended for right now. Now, um, before we dive into this any further, I know a recent episode, a recent episode we, you and I chatted uh, and we talked about the odds of being reinstated if you are suspended. So please go back okay. and refer to that. We're not going to dive into that right now, but you said at the time, like 99% of the time, you get your clients back. You've been doing this four years, suspensions, the vast majority of the time, unless you're doing something truly on purpose that truly violates and you kind of roll the dice and you know it. Those little accidents we make, you can get your account back, but you don't want the inconvenience of a suspension. So talk us through, Jeff. Now, I have a question for you on this. You said the, the wrong brand listed. Talk me through an example of that so we can kind of paint a picture of that. So let's take a mythical listing. You know, Let's imagine all of a sudden that Chevrolet is selling Tahoes on Amazon. You know, and so now you can go and you know, have it delivered in two days, you know, because obviously semiconductor shortage is, is gone in this in this hypothetical example. <laughs> right. But you know, let's say Chevy Tahoes are now available for sale on Amazon. If we're looking at that Chevy Tahoe, what it should say is the title might say, you know, Chevrolet Tahoe, you know, extended version with, you know, leather seats and, you know, navigation. Like that might be your title. And then of course you got your bullet points to say what's inside it. And the brand should be Chevrolet. Now Let's imagine for a second that we go to get on this listing and instead of it saying the brand is Chevrolet, that it says, you know, brand colon SUV store or some other random thing, or it might be Chevy, you know, C-H-E-B-Y or Chev space Rolet. Gotcha. So in this scenario, I've set up a new listing selling that same item. And I'm setting not up- you necessarily, not you as like you. You might be just joining an existing listing, but somebody else might have created. Someone that else listing. has set it up. Okay, so this that's an even better scenario because as a replen seller, which is the model we teach around here, a lot of times we right. sell on existing listings. So someone else has set up a listing, not the brand owner Chevrolet, right. but someone else who's authorized to sell sell Chevys, but they used Chevy instead of Chevrolet as the brand, for example. Correct or. Maybe they're not authorized to create listings for Chevy at all, and they find that they're gated in Chevy or Chevrolet. I mean, they're not, and they they go and they and that's why then all of a sudden they say, well, if I put Chev dash Rolet, now it lets me create this as a new brand on Amazon. Gotcha. So gotcha. That makes total that sense. Yeah. So that ASIN is doomed. It may last for a while. Right. It may last for a long time. There'll be many sellers come and go and sell successfully. But eventually, the sellers on that listing, it could either get shut down or they could face a suspension. What What would be the first alarm bell that you might hear on a, if you're on a listing like that? A uh, suspected IP. So it might get a suspected IP claim and someone looks at it and appeals to Amazon to get it put back up. And then other people start selling again on it. Or the person who got the suspected IP starts selling again on it. Uh, similarly, Chevrolet or General Motors might go file an IP claim against it, and they might say, trademark on product detail page, please remove this because our brand is misspelled. And then someone starts sending in their Chevy invoices trying to get you know, the listing reinstated because they've still got one you know, Tahoe left to sell, and they don't want it to, to not be sold. So you know, that would also be you know, where that could turn into a suspension situation as well. Gotcha. And these are the types um, of situations big, that you help oh, handle. You, you've got your monthly retainer. Is that, that, that's what we refer to it as, as a monthly retainer fee. Is that How do you refer to that? On Jeff Schick. That's what I call it. it. 
Yeah. It's the monthly retainer. Yeah, $89 a month. And it would cover you against those suspensions. So Amazon sends you an email saying you have 72 hours to give us a plan of action or even worse, they send you a deactivation notice. You let us know and we take care of it because you've been a retainer client. You've been working with us and we you know, jump in and, and write those appeals for you. You don't pay anything extra and we fight with Amazon until you're back up. So. And then your most likely worst case scenario is you just can't sell them that ASIN any longer. You're going to have to sell, sell your uh, Tahoe or you, you know, maybe through a Facebook marketplace instead of uh, Amazon at that point, right? Probably so. And you know, the other big thing to watch out to for too, you know, with those replens, just to think about on this Chevy example, let's say you go and you try to list that Chevrolet and it says listing restrictions apply. You must request, you know, ungating approval to sell this item. And you go and you submit your Chevrolet invoice, they come back and they say, you know, we can't verify this invoice, therefore you're still gated. But then your friend tells you about this amazing Chevy listing that is also for a Tahoe. That's also another problematic area that you want to avoid because now with Amazon, what they're saying is, oh, he couldn't sell Chevrolet. So he went and sold Chevy. Again, turns in, it's not a permanent problem. We've, you know, for those cases we've worked on, we've gotten, you know, people back from it, but it's going to be a disruption to your business for sure. Right. And in this case, you know, we, we may have some new listeners today. Jeff, I just want to make it clear. I don't know of any sellers in our community that are actually selling cars. <laughs> but that no, was an easy brand for us I mean, to... We just kind of pulled that from the air. You know, the, the brand, but, using the brand name properly. And typically, we don't encourage our sellers. I haven't set up a new listing in a very long time. Like Jimmy, the guy that created our Replens course, I don't think he's ever set up a new listing. We just sell against existing listings. But just because the listing was already there doesn't mean it's always going to be there. It might get shut down at some point. And if you push back too hard saying, no, I have every right to sell this first sale doctrine or whatever, like, no, sometimes you can't sell it on Amazon. You're going to have to walk away from that brand or that ASIN um, right. as, the, as the prudent path forward. Exactly. And that's why someone um, like you that we can bounce this off of is so valuable, man. Absolutely. No, I'm happy to help. It's, uh, I think education is key to everyone's success, you know, and even in a suspension, you know, you can keep learning because Amazon may hold your inventory. They may temporarily hold your money, but they can't take away your knowledge and your education and what you learn. That's right. Which makes you invaluable going forward. And like we mentioned earlier, and we mentioned every time suspensions come up, I feel like I need to say this the vast majority of the time, your clients, 99% of the time, you know, in my experience, having taught thousands and thousands of students how to sell on Amazon, just a tiny handful of people, I could list them on one hand, have been permanently suspended. And they, most of them, kind of gave up and just said, I am kind of done with it anyway. Uh, so this is, isn't a big issue, but you do need to pay attention to these details to keep things running smoothly. So head over to jeffschick.com. We'll stick a link in the show notes if you have trouble spelling it. And you can go check out the uh, retainer program that Jeff has. As your business is growing, it's certainly something that you want to take a look at because it can help you uh, sleep better at night. It's kind of like buying an insurance policy on your Amazon account. So I appreciate you very much. See us again real soon, man. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.